Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Good morning. What a joy it is to be in the house of God this morning, worshiping together. I pray that God will continue to stir our hearts as he has already begun to in our Sunday school time together. We're glad that you're here to worship. I want to ask that if you're a guest with us today, we're glad that you are here. And on the side of your bulletin is a little perforated tab, and I want to ask you to, to tear that off. Matter of fact, I want to ask everybody. I want to hear it. Tear it off. Good. On one side, we have a prayer request side, and we want to ask you if you have a prayer request you'd like to share with our staff or share with our church. We'd love to be praying with you, for you, or for someone else that you know of that needs prayer. So please fill that out. Drop it in the offering plate on the back side if you are a guest with us today. And we have not made contact with you. Maybe you're a first-time uh, guest with us, or you have been a guest a couple of times, and we've had the opportunity to make contact with you. We want to be able to reach out to you and let you know who we are and get to know you better. So please fill that out in the offering plate, and um, we'll uh, get that to... Um to our care team and also in front of you is some care slips you'll see pink and purple in front of you if you have a, a need of someone in your family or someone in your neighborhood please let us know about those so that we can reach out and minister to those that are around us um, we can't really do that if we don't know about it so please let us know about that because we want to we want to be able to minister to those around us won't you take your bulletin and take a, a real good look at it. Notice that there are no evening activities tonight. Uh, but I do want to let you know that in just a few weeks, March the 22nd, 
We will begin our uh, spiritual growth study for the spring, and Dr. Joe Webb will be leading that. And if I understand it correctly, we'll be looking at the disciples of the disciples. Is that correct, Dr. Webb? So we, we look forward to that beginning on Sunday evening, March the 22nd. Uh, I believe this time we'll probably meet in the fellowship hall. You prefer that, don't you? So we'll meet in the fellowship hall for those uh, six weeks. Um, just mark your calendars for that. You'll see at the top on the back is a list of things going on this week. So please uh, make note of those. Note that we will have our Wednesday evening fellowship meal and activities. We hated to miss that this past week, but due to the weather, we just decided it was best to, to not do that. Well, we'll continue to do that beginning this week. And notice that CARE, the C team, will meet Thursday evening. That is an off Wednesday night for our CARE teams to give our Wednesday night leaders a chance to participate in CARE. So if you are not on a CARE team and would like to be, this Thursday evening will be a good time for you to be able to do that. I also want to remind you that Sunday is uh, begins daylight savings time, so you want to move those clocks forward. That kind of gets us a little bit, so um, be sure and, and remember to do that. All right, well, let's continue in our morning worship this morning, and if you get a chance to, just look to your right and let the person on your right know you're glad to see them. All right. Hey, do it to the left, too. Good deal. <laughs> Cedric, you come on up this morning and share with us our mission moment. Good morning, everybody. It's a fine morning to worship our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I've come to you today um, to present the um, mission moment, which is going to be a little different. Um, I've presented an idea to the missions committee um, a couple of weeks ago about about an opportunity for all church members to uh, participate. Um, and this opportunity is what is called praying for the nations. And I presented the idea that um, every month uh, the church will be presented with a country to pray for. And for the entire month, um, the church as a whole will pray for that country. And the country that I present to you all today is the country of, is the country of Egypt. Um, as you may or may not know, um, Egypt has been, has suffered some, has been going through some political upheaval for the, in the past, for the past couple of years. Um, and a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, there was a very dreadful incident concern, um, involving the Coptic Church. Um, a group of Coptic Christians was executed by the terrorist organization known as ISIS as a way of retaliating against the death of Salman Balan, who was the terrorist leader of the 9-11 attacks. Um, and this horrific act has really caused a lot of distress um, in the Christian community. And many of our brothers and sisters in, in the eastern part of the world are suffering because of their faith. And even though they may have different doctrines as we do, they still they still worship our Lord Jesus Christ this, as much as we do, and they love him, and they, and they hold on to his teachings as much as we do, and they're suffering. Um, so I asked the church for this, whole, for this whole month to pray for the Coptic church in Egypt, to pray for the people in Egypt, and especially the families who have lost 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 members because of this horrific act. Um, and because we all know that the power of prayer is real. Amen? And, and I know that if we full-heartedly pray for these people, that God will move. And so as a church, I ask that we pray for our brothers and sisters who are part of our family, 
to pray that the Lord will protect them and to pray that the Lord will move through the chaos and bring order and bring peace in the lives of all these people in Egypt. And um, I also pray that, you know, we as a, as a family, we as a family ask God to open up opportunities for us to, if it's possible for us to do more, to do so. So that's the, that's the mission's moment for today. I do ask that for, this, for the whole month of March that we pray for the country of Egypt, pray for the Coptic Church, and pray for, we pray for those who are suffering in Egypt, both Christian and Muslim, because even Muslims are suffering right now in Egypt uh, due to ISIS's terrorist attacks. So I do ask that we pray for all the people in Egypt and pray that the Lord will move in that country and bring peace and, and stability. Thank you. Good morning. You'll need a bulletin for our very first song. We are going to learn a new song, and it's going to be an Easter song. And I know it's not Easter, but I wanted us to be able to sing it with enthusiasm on Easter morn. So we are going to learn it for the next couple of weeks before we get there. This is from the team that uh, we have sung like the search. Uh, uh, in Christ Alone, uh, and others like that. This is by um, the Getty and Townend, and that's not a typo, that is Townend, not Townsend. I've heard, heard somebody say that. But I wanted to read a couple things about the people that authored this. Um, the person, uh, Keith Getty, who did the melody, said, I wanted to write a triumphal, a triumphant melody, and as soon as I came up with this idea, I heard Resurrection, a song that could be sung on Easter morning or at the beginning of a time of worship, which excites us to the truth that Christ is risen. Stuart and I have enjoyed writing story songs together, and we chatted and decided this would be a great melody for the resurrection story. And then from Stuart, he said, Keith sent me this melody with some lyrical thematic ideas. I really wanted to convey the immediacy of Easter morning experience and how that morning changed history forever. The third verse is a response of praise as we realize the amazing consequence of Christ's resurrection for our lives, drawing us into a relationship with the triune God. So we're going to sing this together. I'm going to sing it through the first time. If you want to join me on the second time through, that's fine. Or if you're still kind of learning it, that's you can hang on until you get to the third stanza. But I'd encourage you to try to sing with me as we sing this Easter song that we are learning for Easter morning together. It's called Resurrection Hymn. Let's stand, please. <clears throat> Oh, 
one with the Father. Truth be told, we celebrate the resurrected Jesus every Sunday. Amen? All right. Come on down. Now, look, I'm going to catch you off guard. We're going to break routine. We're going to pray first. Because what I'm wanting to try to illustrate right here is even tough for me to understand. So I'm going to pray you get it too, okay? God, we pray that in the next few moments that your Holy Spirit would move and, God, that we would be able to see and understand what you want us to see and hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I need to know who likes chocolate. You like chocolate? Okay. You like chocolate? Okay. Um, There you go. You said you like chocolate, right? You like chocolate? All right, here, hold out your hand. All right, you said you like chocolate, right? Don't eat it. Hang on a minute. All right, now something just happened here. Three of you said you like chocolate. One of you got an apple. And she didn't look real happy about it. One of you got... A M and M, right? And one of you got a handful. Does this seem fair? It doesn't seem fair, does it? Okay. Let me ask you this: If I were to ask who liked Coke, and I and I gave you a little Coke, but then I gave the big Coke to somebody who didn't like Coke. Would that seem fair? No. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you something. Are you ready for this? Life's not fair. I, I, hate, I hate to break it to you, but life's not fair. And, and, and I think for a lot of us, we have been told a lie that everybody's supposed to get the same all the time. But you know what the Bible tells us that we all should get? Truth be told, death. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God and that because of our sin we deserve to die. But what did Jesus come to do? He come to rescue us from death. To me, that's the only That's the only thing that God gives us that we really, really need. And we didn't even deserve that. We didn't deserve that, but God gave it to us. And and what I want you to do, and, and Jesus tries to illustrate this a little bit in Matthew 6, when he goes into talking about telling us not to worry about what we eat or what we wear, 
because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust that he'll take care of us, that he'll give us what we need. And so we don't need to necessarily look around to see who's got what. But we need to trust that God will give us what we need. And he may not give us what we want, but he will give us what we need. And we need to trust that what we get is that what God wants us to have. Now, that's hard. I'm 35 years old, and that's a very difficult thing sometimes because we may look at what somebody else has and think, I want that or I need that. But in all honesty, we just need to trust that God will give us what we need. So don't worry about what anybody else has. Okay? Look at me. Don't worry about what anybody else has. But trust that God will give you what you need. And he'll put you in, in places where he will give you just that. Trust me. I've seen it happen time and time again. I'm not going to leave you empty-handed today. All right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give these to you, and I'll let you distribute them as you want to. All right? I'm going to give you a few, too. No? Okay. Here. I'm going to let you keep those. All right? I'm going to give you a few of those. Yeah? I'm going to give you a few more. Yeah. All right. I kind of just defeated my purpose. But I can't... I, I, God's better than me. I think God looks at us and says they'll be all right. But y'all have a good morning. you have enough to go around, Wesley. The choir is whispering they like chocolate. <laughs> they get apples. <laughs> they get apples. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Lord does give us what we need, not necessarily what we want, and that our next hymn is speaking just about that. Take your hymnals, please, and turn to number 417. Wesley mentioned that we need to trust the Lord, that he will give us what we need. Trusting Jesus, 417. Let's stand, please.
Let's bow together. Sometimes it's good, Lord, to do what Cedric challenged us to do this morning. Think of one nation, one group. Focus our prayers on this particular nation. So this month, the month of March, we would pray for the people of Egypt. Human nature is the same everywhere. I've been to Egypt many years ago and met some wonderful, kind people there. And the nation is suffering. It is going through political turmoil like many nations in that part of the world. And there are Christian people there who want to stand for their faith, who are in grave danger. We pray for their safety. We pray for their steadfastness in the, in the face of persecution. We pray for the leaders of that country that can somehow put together a sense of unity and those groups that are evil and do evil things we pray father that they they will not prevail bless us this morning as we look at a telling portion of scripture somewhat akin to what wesley was sharing this morning knowing where our real wealth is where our real treasure is. Our wealth and our treasures is in knowing you, serving you, realizing your plan of salvation for us. We are rich beyond compare. We need nothing else. May we live in the light of that great truth and be reminded of it this morning. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Our next hymn is number 476, which encourages us to be strong in the Lord and be of good courage because he is on our side. 476. Let's stand, please.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church and what it means to each of us. Help us as we live each day that we will pray for opportunities that we can reach out and that we will call upon your strength in our lives. Dear Lord, please help this this offering to minister to those that, that are in need and that it will be used to your glory. In all these things we ask thee. Amen.
Before I read the scripture for this morning, I want you to remind you of two things. Number one, we will have a very special worship service here a week from today when we ordain Julie Days. That is always a special time of worship, special time of coming together as God's family to, to set aside one for special service. That'll be next Sunday. And so... Uh, Julie, we look forward to that, and we will have, a, I think, a great service together. And maybe some of you have heard, and maybe not, but we lost a great soul here in our church. Uh, Rachel Hedrick passed away. I think it was Friday. Uh, the funeral is going to be uh, this coming Saturday. Um, I, I knew Rachel for many years just in the community, and what a special, wonderful person she was who loved this church dearly. And I know you'll be praying for the family and those during uh, this time. Uh, I want to read some scripture from Psalm 73. And uh, we're going to, this is another one of these long <laughs> portions of scripture, but you have to read each verse because they're all important to get the idea uh, that our wealth is not in things, our wealth is in God. Our peace is not in things. Our peace is in our relationship with Christ. And uh, here we have one who is struggling with this, even the psalmist. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue parades through the earth. <clears throat> Therefore his people return to this place. The waters of abundance are drunk by them, and they say, How does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. I have been stricken all the day long and chastened every morning. If I had said thus, I will speak. Behold, I should have betrayed the generation of my children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Look at verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I perceived their end. <laughs> you know, you can always find 
interesting bumper stickers. You ever notice that? Sometimes you can pull up next to a car at a stoplight and the thing is plastered with bumper stickers and all kinds of things and you can begin to kind of surmise the amount of intelligence or lack of it that this person driving the car is by their bumper stickers and you can find bumper stickers on all kinds of subjects from raising kids to the NRA to the Duke-North Carolina rivalry. All kinds of things are found on bumper stickers. I saw one a number of years ago that intrigued me. You know what the bumper sticker said? It said this, prosperity dash your divine right. Prosperity, your divine right. Is prosperity your divine right? My divine right? There is sometimes, my friend, an arrogance in demanding our rights before God who created us, shaking our fist in the face of Almighty God and demanding our rights. And always is a big word, always that God will bless me with prosperity because I believe in him. And sometimes we come up with the idea of belief, belief for blessing syndrome. I will believe because God will bless me or I expect God to bless me with prosperity or easy days. I will believe and then God will bless me. And we have those that believe that material prosperity is the only way that God blesses us and shows us his favor. And it's easy to understand why the psalmist felt this way. In the Old Testament days, people equated material prosperity with God's blessings. If you were well off, if you were blessed financially, you had much wealth, well, God was happy with you. God was pleased with you, and this was the way he showed you. And just the opposite... <clears throat> If you were living in great poverty or you had gone through great reversals, then this was a sign of God's curse in your life. Case in point, the book of Job. And you know how Job starts. Job is trumpeted in the few verses at the beginning for having great wealth and possessions and a large family, a large house and large lands and herds and all kinds of things and and then, just like that, he loses it all. He loses everything, including his health. And in the depths of despair, his three friends come to him, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and say, Now, Job, obviously, you have committed some great sin because look at what has happened to you. If you will just admit it, then maybe God will raise his hand from you. That was the belief in that day. Blessings. Prosperity, God was pleased with you. You lose it all, you go through difficulties, poverty, oppression, then God was not pleased with you. Prosperity, our divine right. Well, try that bumper sticker out on Jeremiah, the weak and prophet. Try that statement out on Isaiah, who went through many difficulties. Try it out on, we just mentioned, Job. Or yes, even try it out on Jesus with all that he went through, the Son of God. Was it not God in the Old Testament who judged Israel because of its prosperity and material goals that had become a substitute for faithfulness and obedience? The greatest time of trial for Israel came during its times of prosperity. And Jesus knew that prosperity for its own sake could be a very dangerous thing. That's why he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's told that Dwight L. Moody, preacher of another era, entered the pulpit and a service one night. He came from the side when it came time for him to speak and he had a heavy pack on his back. And he stood in the pulpit with this heavy pack on his back the whole time he preached. And he preached on the dangers 
of materialism and the dangers of seeking prosperity above all else. And it was like carrying a heavy pack on your back in a religious sense. And he tried to make an, an impression by doing that. It was also Christ who said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You will either love the one and hate the other or vice versa. It is very hard to do the same. We know the story of Lot's wife. You remember the angel came to those in Sodom and said, you can leave, but don't look back. Well, Lot's wife must have liked Sodom because she couldn't do that. And as they were walking away and they could hear the destruction of the city behind them, she just couldn't stand it. She had to take one last look. Maybe her last thought before she turned into a pillar of salt was, what a terrible catastrophe to happen to such a nice town. <laughs> her heart was still in Sodom. And Sodom was in her heart. Is prosperity your right? Is prosperity my right? I think not. But many voices would try to say so. The concern of the psalmist was a unique one, and he admitted it openly. The Psalms are such an honest book. They, they, they reveal the struggles of the heart of the writer, be it David or someone else. And he said he just couldn't figure it out. He saw the prosperity of the wicked. He saw these people that made no pretense of believing in God, who lived in fine houses and had plenty of money and seemed to have lives that were very successful and at ease. He saw these who were godless and lived this way that had more than he had. His eye was on his neighbor, you see, and what his neighbor had and what his friend had and what the fellow down the street had. And then he looked at what he had and he started to compare his level of prosperity with others. Well, maybe God loves those people more than me, although they make no pretense of trying to follow him. Why? Why is that so? I've kept all the rules. I give to the church. I follow the Lord. I've kept the law. And then I look at these people that make no pretense of doing that, and they're, they're more blessed in a visual sense than I Perhaps he would walk into the home of someone like this and it was confusing to him. God, what are you doing? And in this confusion, the psalmist said in the very verse 17, he said, it was a confusion to me until I took it into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood therein. What a statement. I think in this experience, the psalmist learned three things. What the psalmist learned was he didn't need stuff. I know a lot of people that got a lot of stuff and they're miserable. He didn't need stuff. He needed a relationship with God. That's what he needed more than anything else. He didn't need what other people had. You see, we cannot come to God and say, I will serve you if. We manipulate God. We serve God for ulterior motives. And we are guilty of breaking the 10th commandment. We covet. We covet what others have. We covet who they are. We covet where they live. We covet what they possess. Covetousness and envy, seeking material ends. It's a dead giveaway, my friends, that our hearts aren't quite right with God if we feel that way. Think of it. There was none more righteous than Jesus. There was none closer to the Father than Jesus. And Jesus was born in poverty. Jesus grew up with opposition. Jesus died a terrible, painful, shameful death. Do you ever think Jesus saying anything like, well, Heavenly Father, I'm your son. At least you could give me a nice house to live in. At least you could take the edge off all this opposition. And this thing about going to the cross, that's not fair at all. No. The mind of Jesus, who was so close to the heart of God, was not on, not on such things as that.
If you believe that prosperity is your right, it will quite naturally lead to envy and confusing comparisons. When we begin to measure God's blessings in the terms of what we get and how much we accumulate, that's worldly thinking, my friends. Envy, listen, envy is always a hungry beggar that will never have enough to eat. It will never go away. Think of all the wonders we miss in life when our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. Envy is an unstable state of grace. Putting your eyes on what other people have rather than on God and what he gives to you that is priceless. Think about it this way. Think about the people that push back the frontier of this country. Think about people that achieved great things and were pioneers and were, had servant hearts and were involved in exciting living. Their belief that opportunity was a gift from God, prosperity was not a right, but it was a possibility. Not something you deserve, but something you might achieve. And with hard work and dependence on God and thrifty thinking, you have a better chance of living a comfortable life. But the psalmist realized he didn't need these things. He didn't need to think that way. A lot of things come to you if you live in a wise way, but he did need God. He needed his love. He needed his forgiveness. He needed his truth. He needed the foundation, that to be the foundation of his life. So the psalmist, number one, realized he needed God. Number two, he had to change his attitude. And when did this attitude change happen? Well, you read it in verse 17. It was confusing. And what did, then, he, then what did he do? Ah, I went into the sanctuary of God. <laughs> then I understood. I didn't understand until I went into the sanctuary of God. When I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. He got new insight. The change of attitude came when he confessed his fault. He began to envy the wicked for what they had, and the psalmist had to give up his assumed right to judge the wicked and to get his eye off what other people had. He became aware of his own sin. We must remember, my friends, the purpose of our lives if we are committed Christians. What is the purpose of our lives? Not to amass stuff, to meet and to know the living God and come into an intimate relationship with him. Even in the midst of this materialistic society, our purpose is not to amass these things, but simply to know the living God, his truth that gives us peace in our hearts and come into that relationship with him and spend eternity with him. That is a blessed purpose, my friends, that all through the years has been a great blessing to me to know that above all else, to know that. The psalmist saw things through God's perspective. God's blessings became real to him, and those blessings were more real than anything this world could afford. That was the most important thing. God is not against prosperity. He wants to bless us in a certain sense, but we can never demand it or say that he's not blessing us unless we have what we want when we want it. Because the psalmist realized what he really needed, then he changed his attitude. And because of that, number three, he had the power to praise God, no matter what his circumstance was. Can you praise God when the shadows come? Can you praise God when the heartache happens? Can you praise God in the midst of the loss of a loved one? Can you praise him then? Can you live in complete trust to know the joy of the Lord, that his eyes on you? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
and look in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Our mistake sometimes, my friend, is we spend our energies comparing our fortunes with other people's and never get to the reason why we live, why we were born, and what the real joy of life is. Have you found the reason you were born? To serve God, to glorify Him forever? Or have you been caught up in this whirlwind of envy and missed the Lord altogether? Prosperity is not your divine right, no matter what the bumper sticker says. But I'll tell you what is your right. If you trust him, you turn to him, you lean on him, you believe his promises. Prosperity is not your divine right, but a relationship with the living God is. That's your right. That's my right. I have a right to his grace. I have a right to enjoy his mercy. I have the right to revel in his presence. I have the right to have his power and love surging through my life. That is your divine right. Let that be your first priority. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And what did he mean by that? When you really seek his kingdom and his righteousness, suddenly it won't matter if you get all that stuff anyway. (laughs) It won't matter. Not too long ago, George Beverly Shea died. I remember growing up hearing him sing at Billy Graham Crusades. and One of the songs, and I end with this, that always sticks in my mind, one of my favorite songs. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather, I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Let's bow together. Father, I praise your name for breaking us free from the grip of materialism. They are some that are caught up in that grip and nothing will ever satisfy them because there's no ultimate satisfaction in that. The ultimate satisfaction in peace and joy comes from knowing you, serving you, loving you, obeying you, being your child. Nothing's more precious than that. We're thankful for that blessing. That is a blessing above all others, and we're thankful for it. As we extend this invitation, Lord, if there be any here that want to come to this church from another, or by profession of faith, I stand ready to receive anyone that comes. Go with us and guide us. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look in his face. Let's stand as we sing, please.
each one of you. Let's just pray for the future. These are exciting days in the life of our church, I think. God is, I think, in the process of blessing us, and I, I pray that will continue into the distant future in the life of this good church. Let's bow together for our benediction, and I'll lead us from the back of the auditorium. Let's all bow together. Dear Lord, go with us and guide us through life. Help us to trust you, Lord. Not the things of this world, not the applause of men, not our prosperity or lack of it, but simply just to trust in you, to revel in your promises, to be secure in your truth, and the joy that brings, the stability that brings to our lives is priceless. Go with us and guide us. Help us, Lord, to serve you day by day. All these things we ask in thy name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.